Thank you. Um, I'm so excited to be here. Good morning. It is so good to see your faces. I'm like overwhelmed by it this morning. Jan Cherry, when I saw you, I almost started crying. Just, you know, how much you guys mean to us as a staff and how much we long for you and we love you and we care about you and we just have missed so many of you. Um, and yeah, it's so good to see you this morning and to see your faces. And I'm amazed that you guys are here on Time Change Weekend. And yeah, it's just good. It's just so good. Uh, Pastor Allen and Mama Gail are finishing a week in Destin, Florida on the beach. So they've been at a condo. Uh, resting, having time just on the beach. And there's like no one on the beach. They've been sending pictures. And I tried to convince them to come and take care of my dogs and I could just switch with them, but they weren't interested. They're enjoying their time away. I think today they make their way back towards Mississippi. They send their greetings and they love you guys and are missing you and hold you dear in their hearts. But with that, I just wanna start this morning and let's just pray. I so felt the presence of the Holy Spirit this morning in worship. And I really feel like in this season, it's a time for us as a corporate body to really press into the heart of God in prayer, to seek his face, to ask him what he wants to do with us and do in our lives and do among our midst. Because I think God wants to do a new thing a brand new thing, a totally different, nothing we've ever seen before kind of thing. And I don't know about you, but I long for the things that God wants to do in our midst. Long for it and long for him to come in the fullness of who he is and all he wants to do. So Holy Spirit, I just invite your presence here this morning, God. Jesus, you are so good and you are so faithful and you are so kind. And I just long, Lord, for you to come and touch our hearts and move amongst us in this place, God, that you would just come and pour out your spirit on us and, whoa, take us to new heights and new depths and new places in you, Jesus. We could never get enough of seeking your face, God, because you are worthy you are worthy. And the more we seek you, God, the more there is to find and the more we discover how vast and how little we know, God, and we just worship you. Oh, we worship you. Yeah, come and move on our hearts this morning. Come and move on our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I wanna to talk to you guys about building in times of mystery. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is something that the Lord has been teaching me really over the past like five years of my life in seasons where I've been walking through things that I didn't understand and I couldn't comprehend and I could see God doing some things in my life but I couldn't fully just picture the wholeness of it and the fullness of what he was doing. And I just feel like it's a season where all of us corporately experienced COVID, right? The whole world actually corporately experienced COVID and experienced these times and experienced these shutdowns. 
And it's been a wilderness for many people. And it's been a tough time. And then you add in our own nation and uh, the political climate and the culture things going on. And then you add in the church, the stuff going on with the prophets and all of these different things. And it's just been rough. And it's been a wilderness. And I really feel like it's a season where now is the time where we're gonna be walking out of the wilderness and you might have a limp, but are you looking and leaning on your beloved or are you focusing on your limp? Right, Song of Solomon has that beautiful picture of them coming out of the wilderness and they're limping, but they're together and they're leaning and they're going forward and they're moving towards their destiny and who they were always meant to be. And I just feel like it's a now season for the church in that. It's a now season that this past season has been hard and you've been going through stuff and it might've affected you in so many different ways and in so many areas. And it's not that that doesn't matter, but it's where is your focus and who are you looking to? Are you looking to the world around you? Are you looking to politics? Are you looking to um, religious stuff? What are you looking to, but are you looking to the face of Jesus? Are you looking at him? That he is your provider, he is your protector, he is everything in your life. And that's just the time we're in that personally I feel like. And mysteries in life. I've always been fascinated by mysteries. Even as a little girl, I read all the Nancy Drew books and all the Goosebump books, which I grew up non-Christian. I know there's ghosts and stuff like that in that, but that was just my reality and what I read. Um, and I watched all the shows and even now I listen to this crime junkie podcast because I just love the mystery of trying to figure something out and trying to understand something. And I especially love mysteries of trying to figure out like the human mind and why we work and why we do the things that we do. And I'm just fascinated by it. I love the way that it pulls you and that it causes your emotions to come. And I love the way that you're walking in something and you think you're so certain it's gonna go that one way. And then all of a sudden a twist happens and takes you a complete opposite way. And I love it and I'm fascinated by it. But when life does that, I don't like it so much. Right, I can do it in a world where it doesn't really affect me. I can enter into it and I can leave whenever I want. But in my own life, and when the Lord especially does moments like that and things like that, I don't like it and it's uncomfortable. And I wanna run away from it. And on the streets, when you're ministering on the streets, uh, seriously, the number one thing I hear from non-believers is constantly, if your God was so good, then why? If God cared for me, then why? And why? And you'd always, as soon as they'd say that, you know you're getting ready to get a list of every bad thing that happened in their life that they can't understand. And then some of them will go even further and go through every bad thing that happened in the world, right? Like then why are there earthquakes and why are there tsunamis and why are there hurricanes and why, 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 why? 
and they ask all of these questions. And the more I've pastored and been around Christians, the more I realize we all have those questions, then why? Why do these things happen? Why, why, why? And we're all okay with mystery and not fully understanding, except in the moments where it causes us pain and hurt, right? Like where it's spring forward, we're getting ready to enter into a season where all the plants have died and everything's dead. I go walking every day and you can like step on all the crunchy leaves and you can touch a plant and it falls over. And yet it's getting ready to bring new life. I don't fully understand how that happens year after year after year. I don't fully understand how I'm on a planet and it's revolving in the uh, atmosphere and in the galaxy and all of these different things and yet I'm standing here upright. I don't fully understand that. I don't fully understand how I can pick up my phone and FaceTime my friends in Africa and it connects like that. And sometimes there's internet problems, but at the same point I can see their faces and I can enter their world and enter their homes. I don't fully understand those things, but I use them all the time. But the times of mystery when it affects us and causes us pain and causes us hurt, those are the times we have a hard time with. Those are the mysteries that we just can't walk through. We just can't walk through. And so many of us can trust God for something. I can trust him for finances for something. I can trust him for a healing. I can trust him for the salvation of someone. I can trust him for something that I can physically see, but to trust him through something is a whole different story. To trust him through something that it doesn't seem that there's ever gonna be an end, that I may not ever have the answers of why I went through it, what just happened, what's going to happen, and I may never know until I see Jesus face to face, and even then I may never know. To trust God through those seasons of life where you're just going through it. And there's not a specific for but you're just going through it. And we want a God that we can understand and that we can grasp. And so many of us put God in these boxes in our lives because we need things to be in order. And yet he's the one, he's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's the one who wraps himself in light. He's the one who the apostles in the New Testament see him and say, there is no language to describe the thing that I've seen. He's the one who takes us from death to life. He's the one who's the king of kings and Lord of lords. And we're not going to understand him. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And that's really what I want us to get tonight is I really feel like, or I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this will give you an embracing of the mysteries that you're walking through, an embracing of what God's doing in your life, an embracing of what he's doing in the world and what we might not be able to see and what we can't comprehend. Because he's a good and faithful God. 
He's a good and faithful God. But his goodness, it doesn't change just because we're going through something hard. But so many of us, his goodness does depend on if things in my life are good. But scripture's full of mystery. It's full of mystery. The mystery of the creation of the world, the mystery of the Holy Trinity, the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory, the mystery of the resurrection from the dead, the mystery of wisdom and revelation and knowledge. It's full of these mysteries, full of them. And I always admired Paul and I always like, when I read the New Testament, even since I was a new believer, when I read it, I was always like, this guy's got everything figured out. I don't understand half of what he's saying, but he must have everything figured out. And then you get to Philippians, which is one of Paul's very last letters before he goes to see Jesus face to face And you read that not that I have already obtained this, but I press on. I press on toward the goal of the upward call in Christ Jesus. I press on to know him, to receive from him, to be face to face and even more than face to face, to be one with this one who has captured our soul. I'm gonna share a lot of like stories and things that have been going on in my life this past couple years to illustrate. Um, And yeah, I won't be in a main passage of scripture. I'll be all over the place. So just bear with me. First Corinthians 2, 9, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he's quoting the prophet Isaiah. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. No eye has seen, No ear has heard nor heart imagined what God has for those who love him. There's no height, there's no depth, there's no comprehension of the plans and the purposes that God has for your life and for your family's life and for the lives of those you love and that you care about. For those who love him, there's no comprehension. You can't understand it, you can't fathom it because it's so good and it's so purposeful and it has so much for you and you specifically that he longs for in your life. You know, there would be no need to trust God if we knew everything that was gonna happen in life. There would be no, he wouldn't even need to be your God because you'd have each and every step and each and every moment laid out perfectly before you. And you would know, okay, next I do this, and next I do this, and next I do this, and there's no trust. There's no relationship. There's no giving and taking and seeking him and asking him for the things he wants to do. It's just going through the routine of life. And so, so many of us long for that and actually will pray for that. God, show me every step. Show me what I'm gonna do in my life. Show me what's next. Show me, show me, show me, show me, show me. But it takes away the trust and the mystery in the relationship. And in my experience, if I actually knew the things I was gonna walk through with the Lord, I would have said no 
for sure, and ran away and been like, not doing that, Jesus. It's not gonna happen. Because each and every step you take and each and every moment of what he's doing in your life is a process and what he's doing in the midst of the seasons of change is just as important as what he's calling you to. What he's doing in your heart, the trust he's building, the relationship that is happening with you is just as important to him than the end result and the thing you're waiting for and the thing you're longing for. It's just as important to him. In Psalm 25, I love the Psalms. I'm so thankful that scripture has the Psalms in them. Um, I don't know about you, but it grounds me and it makes me feel not as crazy when I question things all the time. And when I go through my ups and downs and when I go to these places and I'm like, God said, but then something happens and I'm in turmoil and I'm in distress. I'm so thankful for the Psalms and I'm so thankful for these men of God who poured out their hearts in songs and got in touch with those deep places inside of their soul and inside of their hearts and poured them out to the Lord. I don't think they thought they would ever be part of Holy Scripture. I just think they were in these places and in this relationship and seeking him and pouring their heart out. And we, for generations, get to be inspired by it and learn from it. But in Psalm 25, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. And then David goes through uh, reminding God of his covenant and a steadfast love and asking God to rescue him. And then he finishes off, oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all of his troubles. So David in this Psalm is waiting on the Lord. He's waiting for God to do something in his life. He's waiting for him to answer his call. He's waiting. And we are so uncomfortable in the waiting periods in the times where God's not answering, where he's silent, where he spoke, and then everything seems to go the total opposite in those moments where you're waiting. And the fear in the waiting, as in Psalm, is that you're gonna be put to shame. That you've waited and you've trusted God with these promises and he said these things over your life and he said these things over your family and he said these things over your city and over your church and whatever it is that you're waiting for that he has said these things but the fear is you're gonna be put to shame in your waiting. The only way to deal with fear in your life is to confront it head on. It's the only way to deal with it. 
It's the only way that it will get removed and healed and covered and that you can actually find, wait, what was I afraid of? You have to confront it head on. And David, he's not passively waiting. He's not sitting there and sitting, well, he wouldn't have had a couch, but sitting on his couch, watching Netflix kind of thing. It's not like that. It's an active waiting of seeking God in the midst of not understanding. But so many, so many get prophetic words or have promises or have things in scripture that they know God is gonna do and they just sit back and chill. And it looks like trust because I'm just sitting back here chilling, it's fine. But you're not building the things in your life in the midst of waiting that are gonna allow you to walk into the promises that God has for you. Because you're sitting back, you're checking out. You're checking out of the relationship. You're checking out of the pursuit. You're checking out of what he's doing. You're checking out of prayer. You're checking out. Rather than actively seeking the face of God, we have to be a people who actively seek the face of God. And I love it when we come together and seek the face of God, but learning to seek on your own in your own prayer times, in your own ways, whatever it looks like for you, whatever it looks like. For me, every time I'm driving, I'm sitting there like praying in tongues and going after it with the Lord. Anywhere I'm driving to, unless my mom calls me, then I answer the phone for my mom. But I'm seeking the face of God in those times and it it doesn't look like I get up super early and spend five hours kind of thing. It just looks like in my daily life, in the moments that I have seeking the face of God. We have to be a people who seek the face of God. In Isaiah 40, 31, it says that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise on wings like eagles. Right, those who wait upon the Lord, those who are waiting for him are going to rise. It's not those who are sitting and doing and accomplishing all of these different things. It's those who are waiting upon the Lord that are going to rise. So there has to be something in the waiting that we're doing and that we're building with the Lord. Because if it was just me sitting back, I'm not rising. If anything, I'm falling away. I've been in those seasons for sure. I've been in them and I fall away. Proverbs 25, two says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and it's the glory of kings to search it out. God conceals things from us because he wants to make us kingly in the pursuit of them. He wants to develop kingly attributes in the midst of you as you seek him and as you find him and as you search him out and as you go through these times of not understanding and these hardships and these trials, he longs to make you kingly. He longs for it. 
It's so important what God does in our waiting inside of us. We hate change and discomfort as human beings. Some people really like change. Those are pretty rare people. And for them, the Lord says the opposite, where you have to learn to be faithful and stay grounded. But for the majority of us, we hate change. And we hate uncomfortable things and uncomfortable feelings. And I gave this example last night and it's silly, but it always made me laugh that I have some friends who hate awkward situations so much that even if it's on a TV show that we're watching or a movie that they're watching, there's an awkward situation that's happening. They have to get up and leave the room. I just can't watch this. I can't deal with it. I can't sit in this, even for this moment, even though it isn't my life, even though it has nothing to do with me, I can't sit in this awkwardness. I can't handle it. How much more when it is our lives? When it is what we're going through? When it is this pain and this uncomfortable feeling? And how do we deal with pain in those moments? A lot of people will turn away and they'll turn to different things and they'll go to other options and they'll go to try to numb out the pain. And that can look like so many different ways. It can look like food. It can look like drugs and alcohol. It can look like um, sleeping all the time. It can look like TV. It can look like exercise and even good things. Anything to not have to feel the pain. And you numb it out. Other people can go to total busyness. And I'm gonna distract myself so much that I don't have to face what I'm going through. And I'm gonna distract and distract and distract and distract and distract. And I'm doing good things, so it's okay. But really, you're not dealing with the thing you need to deal with. And we hate it so much that we'll do anything to get out of those situations and those moments. And yet, God leads us into those moments. It was the Holy Spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested and tried by the devil. It wasn't the devil coming and attacking his life. It was the Holy Spirit leading him into something because he needed to establish his authority and his victories in his life over the devil. We're afraid of pain, but pain makes us so much better a lot of the times if we learn to embrace the short-term pain. My brother, who is ridiculous, and this is a ridiculous example, but I'm gonna give it anyways because there's a point to it. My brother has been an athlete his whole life. He's 26 years old now. He's been an athlete his whole life. He played college football for a D1 school on full scholarship. So pretty intense athlete. And gosh, I was always amazed because he would wake up at like four or five in the morning and work out for all these hours before school, go to school, never did his homework though, but then would go and work out and do all these different things after school and get home at like nine or 10 o'clock, he was dedicated to it. 
Well, from all of those years of uh, physical building up, but also the physical pressure of actually playing the game, he has issues in his shoulder. He has a torn rotator cuff. He has something where his bones are like bone on bone action there. He's got something broken in there. And one other thing, there's like five things he lists off every time he talks about it. And last week I went to Tampa for my cousin's wedding and my brother flew down. And so my whole family was together to watch my cousin get married, which was just beautiful. And there's nothing like weddings. But I see my brother's shoulder and there's like these two little tiny bones sticking out. I'm like, what's going on with that? (laughs) And he tells me the story and tells me he went to the doctor and tells me the doctor says he has to get surgery. I'm like, okay, so when's your surgery scheduled? Oh, I'm not getting surgery. Well, what do you mean you're not getting surgery? No, I'm just gonna live with this my whole life. I'm just gonna live with this. And I'm like, Shane, what are you thinking? That is not a wise decision. He's like, who needs a shoulder anyways? Which my family's very stubborn, tells you a little bit about my family right there. But, but rather than embrace the short-term pain of having to miss work, of having to go through the surgery, of having to face any kind of fears he might have associated with the surgery, of having some kind of recovery time I don't know, my guess is six to eight weeks kind of thing of it in a sling, maybe longer. But facing the short-term pain, will it be hard? Yeah, probably, but it's the short-term pain for the long-term freedom. Long-term freedom. And it's a ridiculous example, but we all do it in so many areas of our lives. After my dad died and I was going through grief and I was in this controlling and manipulative relationship and I was just dealing with total confusion internally. And it was leading to me acting out in ways that I don't act out and it's not me and it's not who I am. And I had good friends who were like, did you ever think about going to counseling for grief? And immediately I'm like, no, that is not going to happen. And I had all of these reasons and all of these excuses and all of these things of why I'm not going to go get help. And then the Lord said to me, Colleen, your excuses are just lies wrapped in things that you can handle. Go get the help. And I went to counseling and it was hard work and I hated it. It was not this fun time. Sometimes it was, but most of the time it wasn't. And it was hard work and they would give me homework assignments, which made you feel like you're in school. But the reward of the freedom of walking in peace and wholeness and deliverance is worth it every time. It's worth it every time. But so many of us do this. We deal with relationships that have been awful for years and years and years and years and years. And rather than confront and deal with it head on and embrace the discomfort in the moment, we just keep us in the bondage that we're in. And same with food choices and same with pornography and same of all these different things. because we can't embrace pain. We can't embrace it in the moment. 
Jordan Peterson talks about the transcendence of suffering. And he actually talks about, which I haven't researched this, so I don't know if this is accurate or not, just laying that out there right from the beginning. But he talks about how if you will embrace the suffering that comes your way, actually things happen in your mind that get released that allow you to rise above and go through the suffering. And you get through it so much faster if you would embrace it than you would if you would deny it and run away from it for years and years and years. And in fact, when you do have to face it, it's gonna be harder. There's a transcendence that happens inside of us. Almost sounds like you rise up on wings like eagles. And you can get a higher perspective in that moment. Anything that you run away from, the Lord will make you come back and confront at some point in your life. Anything you run away from, he will. If you are seeking his face, if you are asking for his will to be done in your life, if you are truly following him, at some point he will say, okay, time to go face that. Moses ran he killed the Egyptian, he ran into the wilderness, he ran for 40 years, he was 80 years old when God said, hey, time to go back to Egypt. Time to go back and confront the things you ran from. Time to go back and deal with those things. You see the same thing in Genesis 16 with Hagar starting in verse one. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. Mistake listening to other people's voices than the voice of the Lord. And Hagar conceived and when she had conceived she looked with contempt on her mistress and Sarai said to Abram may the wrong done to me be on you I gave my servant to your embrace and when she saw that she had conceived she looked on me with contempt may the Lord judge between you and me but Abram said to Sarai behold your servant is in your power do to her as you please then Sarai dealt harshly with her and she fled from her and the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? What are you doing, Hagar? Why are you here? And she said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. But wait, God, she was mean to me, but wait, God, she's the one who conceived this whole idea and told Abram to get me pregnant so that she could take the promises of God into her own hand and make them accomplish. And then I'm getting abused in the process. And the Lord says, return and submit to her. Everything that we run from, we have to confront at some point. You see, because God is so jealous of freedom in your life and he's so jealous for you to walk in freedom. For freedom that Christ has set us free. For freedom. 
And you can't walk in freedom if there's things you've ran from and there's things you haven't dealt with and there's things that you haven't been able to confront head on. God desires for freedom in your life. And so in his goodness and his kindness and his mercy, he will bring you back and say, it's time to go through this and I'm with you. I'm with you in the going through it. In Hagar returning, God promises her that he will create these descendants out of her line. He gives her a very similar promise that he gave to Abram. It's just not the seed of promise that the salvation of the world will come through. In her returning and submitting to the things that have caused her pain and caused her chaos and that she doesn't understand, God gives this promise over her life. We have to stop making excuses about why we can't face things and why we won't deal with things. We have to stop making excuses. You deserve a healthy, whole, and free life. And God deserves a healthy bride. We have to stop making excuses because God will give you the grace and the wisdom and the power and the love to deal with everything you're going through every single time. And you will learn so much about the Lord as you walk through the hard things with him and as you live in the mystery of life that he will do for you. You'll learn so much about him. And it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. When I'm in times and when I'm in seasons where I don't know what God's doing, I have one scripture in particular that always grounds me and puts me on the path that I feel like I'm supposed to be on. And it's Psalms 37.3. And it says, trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. See, trusting in the Lord means I have things I don't understand, right? If I had everything I understood, then I wouldn't need to trust in the Lord because I understand it all. But I have to trust in the Lord. And what do I do while I'm waiting on the Lord? While I'm trusting in the Lord, I do good to others around me. I do good. I sow seeds into the lives of others that will eventually reap a harvest in my own life. Because if you do truly trust in the Lord, then he, as you're sowing seeds and as you're doing good unto others and as you're serving other people around you, he's figuring out any problems you're dealing with. He's working them out. He's working them out. I was amazed at my dad when he had cancer and uh, he was in so much pain. I mean, excruciating, screaming at the top of your lungs kind of pain. And I never saw my dad like that. It's not like he was just that kind of guy. I never saw him like that. And yet he consistently would call his friends and check on them and minister to them. He would go out and help people when he could 
And I was always amazed, like, wait, you're in so much pain. And my dad would be like, I don't need a pity party. I know I'm in pain. I don't need it to stop me from living my life. Right? Do good. Dwell in the land. Dwell in the land that you are in while you are in it. Keep your eyes on the present and on the things that God is doing in your land. Dwell in it, expand your tent pegs, learn from the season that you're in, the people you're around. Actually make your mark in that land. Don't just say, well, God's getting ready to move me. He's getting ready to do this. He's getting ready to do that. He's getting ready because you're gonna miss what God wants to do in the present with your life. Dwell in the land you're in. That has been the hardest one for me to learn to dwell in the land I'm in. It's been the hardest one. I came from Maryland. I came from the Chesapeake Bay. We have rivers everywhere. Rivers and the bay is an estuary and its own beautiful thing. And the ocean's an hour and a half drive. I worked on a restaurant that overlooked the water and that I was on water every single day of my life either kayaking or boating or swimming or doing something on the water. That was my life. And then the Lord six years ago called me out to the desert in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And the hardest thing for me has been the fact that I'm not near water. And it sounds so silly, but it was my life and my culture and what I knew. And it was the place where I would find refreshing and joy and the place where I would be able to be fully and completely let go in myself, right? Was on the water. So then I moved out here and my first summer out here, I remember asking the teenagers, what the heck do people do out here in the summertime? What do you guys do? And they'd be like, well, we go hiking. I'm like, you go hiking all year long. <laughs> and they continue to do that. And I seriously complained about this for five years, like a serious complaint with me and the Lord, not just some funny thing. This was a serious complaint in my heart with me and the Lord. And it is funny, I get that, but I'm just trying to let you guys know, like it meant something to me. And then last year I bought this house in the South Valley to have young women come and live with me, which I have three of, and it's so fun who live with me. But I bought this house in the South Valley, and then two weeks before the pandemic, I got these two dogs, and they're so high energy, so ridiculously high energy, they need extreme exercise. And so I had to start taking on them on these hour to two hour walks every single day. And so I'm at my home and I found right around the corner of my house, this path along the river, the Bosque. And I laughed because people would always tell me when I would complain about water, well, there's the Rio Grande. I'm like, that's not a river. <laughs> and then they also took me up to Red River, which is like a trickle, right? Just this little tiny thing. I'm like, that's like a creek that you would find in anyone's backyard. But this 
year during shutdown as I've taken these daily walks every day along the river, I have found a restoration for my soul. But my pride prohibited me from finding that all these years because I was constantly longing for the thing I once knew and the thing that once was in my life and the thing that it's more beautiful, it's more this, it's more that, rather than looking at the land around me, raising my eyes up and saying, God, you can use this too. You can use this too. He can still speak to you. Some of us need to stop comparing things constantly and look at the things around us and lift our eyes up and say, God, what are you doing right now? What are you doing right now in our midst? I don't wanna miss out by looking at the past constantly. I don't wanna be the, like the Israelites who are delivered from slavery and are wandering in the wilderness and just wanna go back. Church, there is no going back. There's only going forward for those who are in Christ. There is no going back. There's only going forward. And through these walks on the river, the Lord has taught me and shown me the difference between this refreshing rest that I lived in forever, which was I would run and run and run and try to get through the week. And then I'd get to my day off and I'd be so exhausted from the running all week that I would just crash and totally check out or I'd wait for the next vacation right, so that I could get refreshed, and I'd go on these vacations, but the thing was, as soon as another stressful or hard situation came, I'm right back to where I was before, as if I never even had that day off or never took that vacation. I'm right back in that same place. See, I was getting refreshing for the moment I was in through the circumstances and situations around me, rather than walking with the Lord and allowing him to be the living water inside of me that restores my soul, that restores my soul. We have to learn to get restorative rest in our lives, to walk through these seasons and these things that we're going through. It's the first time that I went to the beach in Tampa last week and my best friend texted me because everyone in my life knows how much I love the beach and she texted me and said are you feeling so refreshed on the beach and I said you know what I didn't even need to be refreshed this is just bonus this is great and it's wonderful and I love it I love it but it's just bonus because I found the refreshing, restorative rest of Jesus in my soul. And I found it through my times of seeking him on the path of the river that I complained about and didn't wanna be near and wanted nothing to do with. And he's given me this place in my heart that for the first time I can say, I'm fully satisfied in my life fully satisfied in him and in what he's doing. Dwell in the land you're in. Dwell in the land you're in. God has something for you in that land and then befriend faithfulness. 
befriend it. Let it be a cloak around you. Show up to life and be present in the faithful little tiny things. Those who are faithful with little, God will give them much. Be faithful in your relationships. Be faithful in your work. Be faithful in every little thing around you. Be faithful. Learn to befriend faithfulness. It's something I talk to the young people about all the time. If you guys can just learn to be faithful in everything to not let your feelings, to not let what's going on around you, to not say, well, I just don't like that and make up all of these things of why you can't do it, but to learn to just be faithful in what God does in that and how his favor follows those who are faithful in everything around them. Everything that you do in life is God training you for the next thing you're going to do. Everything you do is God training you for the next thing you're gonna do. When I got my dogs, I rescued them and they were ridiculous and they had all sorts of health problems and I had no idea what I was getting into and I was way over my head. I've had dogs my whole life, but these two, I've never like rehabilitated dogs. And as I'm doing that, they have these problems and they need these lime sulfur bath dips every three to five days when I first get them. And when you give them these lime sulfur bath dips, you also have to clean every surface of your house because the things they were dealing with could live on every surface in your house. So like my throw pillows on my couch would have to get washed every three days. My uh, couch cushions, like every single thing that could possibly have to do. So it just so happened I got these dogs two weeks before the lockdown happened. And I get them and it's about the third bath in the first week and a half I've had these dogs. And I'm saying to the Lord and I'm praying and I'm like, this was so dumb. Why did I do this? I need to just find good homes for these dogs. I need to just get rid of them. I'm in way over my head. I don't know what I was thinking. This was not smart. And I'm complaining about the thing I'm going through and what's happening. And this is a silly example, but the Lord spoke so clearly to me. Colleen, through you rehabilitating these dogs, I'm gonna teach you how to rehabilitate people. People are obviously a lot more complex, which terrifies me with what I've been going through with my dogs. But... Jesus always used parables of the things in people's lives and the things that they would understand to speak these kingdom truths. They didn't understand the parables most of the time. I imagine the disciples would sit at the fire at night and wait for Jesus to go to sleep and be like, did you guys get what he said? Did you understand what he was teaching us today? Because I don't. But he would use the things like the seed and the sower and the farmer. He would use fishing. He would use the pearl of great price. He would use the things in their lives to teach them about a spiritual truth. Don't ignore the practical, natural things in your life to just sit and seek these big, crazy spiritual things. God will use the practical to teach you the spiritual he will use the practical to teach you the spiritual as you seek him and as you give him your life.
Okay, for the sake of time, why don't we stand and you guys can get communion ready. If you don't have communion, raise your hand and Pastor Steve will come around and give it to you. And worship can come up too. So Jesus, as he's hanging on the cross, the last thing he says is that he gives his spirit up to the Father. But before that, in the midst of his pain, in the midst of the hardship, in the midst of everything that was going on, he says, my God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus in the midst of his humanity cries out, why? Why am I going through this? Why do I have to be in this place? Why, why, why? But until the end, Jesus was trusting the Lord. He was dwelling in the land by being present and noticing that there were thieves hanging on the cross beside him and doing good by ministering to them and leading them into the kingdom and being faithful to his relationships by entrusting his mother to his beloved disciple and his beloved disciple to his mother. Until the end, he was trusting the Lord, doing good, dwelling in the land and befriending faithfulness. Jesus, we just thank you for your body that was broken for us. We thank you that you made a way when we didn't even know a way needed to be made. And that yet while we were still sinners, you died for us. Jesus, if you never do anything else ever in the history of the world, it's more than enough. It's more than enough. And we take this bread right now in remembrance of your body that was broken. And the blood, the blood of Christ. Heidi Baker's vision that she had when God was calling her to feed all these children and she's weeping over these children and she has this vision of the uh, the side of Jesus getting pierced and then the blood filling a cup and the Lord giving her the cup and saying it's a cup of suffering and joy will you drink it 
It's a cup of suffering. Enjoy, church. Will you drink it? Will you drink him? Will you follow him? Will you trust him to the end, no matter what? Jesus, I thank you that you had the ultimate joy of dying on the cross, knowing what what it would accomplish, but it was through a price that we could never imagine. And we drink your blood right now in remembrance of you this morning.